Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined by our beat writer, Jim Thomas, back from Canada. JT, how you doing? I'm doing good. Came home with some Canadian dollars, so uh, I guess they're, they're always good for the next uh, next trip up there. And two trips, I, I love the trips to Western Canada, so I'll get another trip up there, I think around Christmas or a little after Christmas. So Now, when we last talked to you, uh, you I guess you were in Edmonton, and uh, we interrupted uh, lunch. You had room service come. Now, I was worried that you'd ordered like a cheeseburger and fries, and then we went on for 20 minutes and it got cold. Were you, were you okay? Was your lunch okay? It was good. It was a... Uh, it was a uh, steak sandwich i believe Uh-oh. and it was a little chilly but it was it was okay and i didn't get fries i'm trying to you know after eating like a college uh, sophomore for like uh, 60 years i'm trying to you know so i had a little salad so a couple a couple minutes sitting there isn't going to affect the salad right. no no fries just didn't go in the fries so i you know I'm trying a little bit jeff all right well that's good you came back uh, with the team and the team uh finished the trip well i mean it's been a seven game winning streak five of them in overtime but uh Geez, they keep finding a way, and you know, talking to Doug Armstrong earlier in the week, he he he's fine. Tom Timmerman suggested maybe they needed to, to find another level given the close calls, but uh, mm-hmm. boy, both uh, Armstrong and the Chiefs seem pretty uh, pleased. It's you know when you sit back and look at it, what they've done without Vladimir Tarasenko, who people have told us that he's pretty good, right? In yes, this, yes, in this room, yeah, us, yeah. Uh, our, our junior executive, executive producer, producer. Uh, Christina. Fletus has uh, insisted, yeah, yeah, kind of a, you know, kind of a guy. Kind of a big guy. Kind of a big guy, yeah. But uh, with him out, for them to go 7-1 and without him, and even on the road, to win four in a row on the road against any competition is tough. This is only the second time in Blues history in a road trip of four more games where they've swept all the games. Only the second time in, in history. And so it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty amazing what we're watching. Again, they... They tend to have a, an aversion to maybe winning comfortably. And I, I really thought one kind of theme that I, I, I thought on this trip is how much the defense is really starting to tighten up. Early in the season, it didn't look like kind of the, the vintage Blues defense that we've seen, you know, for, for what, Jeff, the last decade mm-hmm. almost. And, but it looks like they're, they're getting to that point now. But because I thought for two periods they – Totally dominated Calgary. Okay, Calgary had a couple odd man rushes or whatever, but they they really do- and they were frustrating him. And then they, they let Calgary back in uh, Edmonton game. They 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 were they were very good for for a long time. I thought that was easily Jake Allen's best game in Va- Vancouver. They were tight. So the the defense is coming back, and I and and uh, it looks more like uh, what we saw during the best of the Blues last season. But again, they. Uh, I guess what five of the eight overtimes they've had a, a lead of one or two goals in the third period, and they've they've uh, haven't been able to to close it out in regulation. Now, as far as the uh, the defensemen, that side of the team defense equation, I thought it was interesting that uh, the chief uh, kind of corrected one of the views that we've uh, espoused here on the on the net front in that um, you know the constant uh, shuffling of defensive pairings, which uh, has been part of the process for the first quarter of the season uh, he, he dismissed that as a factor said the chemistry is coming along and it's more about chemistry with the with the system uh-huh. and, and not uh, pairings in, in particular so his point is we, we they're in the system and doesn't matter as much as he shifts guys around as long as they really embrace where they're supposed to be uh, when they're supposed to be which is interesting and and the way uh, he used the defenseman and to a 
a smaller degree, the uh, the forwards. It's different than last year. Last year he didn't change the lines that much. Uh, are the defensive pairings as he has this year? And you talk to most players, and you talk to ten players, ten will say they'd like the continuity of playing with the same guy, while realizing that once in a while things will get stale, and, and you'll have to you have to mix it up. But uh, so, so it's it's almost dizzying, and I dizzying what has happened with the defense. I meant to write about that on the road trip, but you know stuff kept happening. Mm-hmm. Like Steen got hurt, Robbie Fabry traded, so on and so forth. And uh, it's just it's just been weird to watch. And and during games, I mean, they'll, they'll go a period with the pairings, and then they'll change them. And I think for maybe for guys like Pareko and Petrangelo, that Bo Meester that have been here a while. But if you're uh, if you're Justin Falk, your your head's got to be spinning a little bit. You're 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 just figuring out where the restroom is over at Centene, <laughs> you know, right? And now, now okay, now yeah. you're going to be paired with this guy now. Yeah, well, that's been an issue. One of the we had a, a guy in our chat on Friday who was. Uh, Really concerned about Justin Falk, you know, because he hasn't had big numbers and did have a minus early on during the season. He's been a minus player back in his Carolina days. You know, I think he's, he's logging a lot of time. And, and my argument was, I mean, give give the guy uh, some continuity, and I think you'll see him settle in. Now, again, the Chief isn't rushing to the to agree to, on that. But I do think for especially a guy like Falk, having uh, some continuity, some stability with his pairing and his role, his side to the ice and so forth, would really help. Now the other guys, I, I mean, think they, so. You know, yeah. The other guys have played with the other guys a lot. Pretty much so, yeah. At various yeah. points, but yeah. So I think we need to give Justin a little more time. Yeah, I think he needs more time, and and I he he was kind of in a groove. Then I think he leveled off a little bit. You know, he's got about six assists. He's he's minus four. There are a couple times where, just in his passing, he just, sometimes it looks like he's not sure where to go with the puck. Do I keep it? Do I shoot it? But. Uh, I think if he if he had a couple goals, it'd be less obvious. I mean, it's it's so uh, uh, strange that uh, among the the guys that haven't scored a goal yet are both Pareko and Falk, who are ten goal scorers. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little surprising that they haven't scored yet. He's got a good shot. There, there. He's had some good looks. There've been a couple times where he had a good look and and the stick broke or he he shot wide. And uh, I don't I don't think Barubi's worried about that. I, I asked him kind of about that he the other day and he thinks Falk will be fine and he's getting good chances and maybe it's as much as anything. He he just has to relax. I mean, he's the new guy on a team that won it all. Everybody's back. I think it's more of an issue if he he had been one of four new guys or whatever that had joined a team or three new guys uh, of a team that maybe just made the playoffs or didn't make the playoffs. It, it's uh, kind of a unique situation. I, I, I think it'll be fine. Now, there's been a lot more to talk about as far as the front lines go. And uh, I guess we start with Robbie Fabry. He uh, just could not work his way into the, uh, into the mix last year. Uh, couldn't really sustain a spot, and the uh, same problem this year. Even with the uh, the loss of, of Vladimir Tarasenko, he could not seize an opportunity to play up in the, the top nine where he's got to be, and really pr- probably top six where he can use his speed and skill and tenacity. Just has never gotten back as far as with this group. Now he goes off to Detroit, and it, and it did seem like a, a classic uh, a classic example of an athlete need, just needing a new start. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and and. Uh... A very good first two games. I happened to watch. It was on in Calgary. I watched uh, a, a good portion of the game where he scored the two goals. It seemed like every time I looked up, he was, you know, because I had the sound down or off uh, while I was working. Every time I looked up, Fabry was scoring uh, 
scoring a goal. He had that. He had the primary assistant on the game winner in their second game. But uh, I, I think you you hit on it when Vladdy goes down and he still couldn't find a place, and I to, they couldn't find a place from the lineup. Then you knew maybe it was time to to move on. And Doug Armstrong said that uh, told me after the game that Fabry in the summer. He said he, he wanted to be traded and wanted a fresh start. And Doug Armstrong said, just be patient, just be patient. And then maybe even Armstrong came to the realization when Vladdy's down and he couldn't find a space. Now, you could see Sammy Blay has gone out and he, he, he's claimed a top nine spot. Uh, but when you couldn't move ahead of Sanford in the lineup, then you probably, if you're Fabry, it's just not, it's not going to, 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 to work here. So uh, you, you trade him off and people, uh, and I guess more nationally, like, I think they're still going on the Robbie Fabry brand name from three years ago. Right. Not the guy that scored, what, three goals in the last uh, uh, year plus. It was kind of portrayed, boy, what a steal for for Detroit. And, and maybe it'll turn, maybe Robbie Fabry will turn out to be a 20-goal scorer again or a 15- to 20-goal scorer. But I think it, that one of the key parts of the trade was the money was even because the Blues, the, mm-hmm. they couldn't. And again, they they have it's it's kind of a mirage the seven and a half million they have for Vladdy because if Vladdy comes back during the regular season and we talk to him today, he's he's very much hoping he can join the team in the regular season. That money that they have now, that seven and a half million, it counts. It goes away basically if he comes back before the the uh, the regular season's over. So they traded in essence nine hundred thousand dollars for nine hundred thousand dollars. They were making the exact same amount. Della Rose and Fabry, and I think that had as much to do with it. Plus, as you know, you've talked about it. This is gee, another grinder who can you know hit people and and uh, big body. Gee, uh, Craig Berube doesn't like those types, does he? Of course he does. Yeah, a couple of guys you know they're going to get mentioned tomorrow when I'm writing a column about this team. Guys have we, the the whole thing when you lose a guy, a lot of guys have to play better, and we've seen some of that. We we know Blaze played better. We could talk about David Prawn in a, in a bit. Uh, Robbie couldn't, you know, respond. And, and him going to Detroit where he can play with a buddy, uh, they're awful. He's going to get lots of ice time. They need a skilled guy. You've seen the results were immediate. Good for him. As far as what this team needs, now they bring in Jacob De, De La Rose who could kill some penalties. He's a bigger guy. He could skate. So he fits the prototype of, of, of a role player for mm-hmm. for Craig Brube. Now he and Mackenzie McCarker and Mac Mac has – Made the uh, just made the jump. He's now earned a spot where he's playing pretty regularly, earning the confidence of the coach. Uh, these are two guys, I, in some ways similar. I think Dale Rose was a higher uh, prospect coming out, been around a bit more, more experience, but still you know, two big guys that could skate and have a little bit of skill. Now, mm-hmm. can either guy produce? And McEachern's produced a little bit, and Brubay was saying they're hopefully hoping they can bring some of that out of. Uh, De La Rose in the interim. Here. Yeah, that he thought he had a little more that he could give in terms of the skill. Because even a fourth-line guy, what, Jeff, you you, pro- you probably need, I don't know, eight goals, ten goals, something like yeah. that. And you had 14 out of both Sunquist and, and uh, Barbashev last year. Yeah, that's why you were a really good team down the stretches. You had all those guys producing. And uh, that's a really good number for, for those two guys who continue to be really important players. But, yeah, so it'll be interesting. I think th- he's going to be around. Whether he plays De La Rose or not, I mean, he's a guy that could also just be an extra forward. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. figure he'll probably spend the year here. Fans wonder why you give up skill for less skill. But, again, and there's a vision that Brube has that's pretty uh, firm. 
And yeah, and you talked about it uh, on the net front and uh, all of the net fronts. You can you can find them right pretty easily uh, online and yep, call yep. them up. I, I, either a week ago or two weeks ago, you just talked about how Fabry just doesn't quite play that that physical game that Baruby demands out of everybody. He demands it uh, no matter how many goals you score. He demanded it out of Tarasenko, out of everybody. You've got to be uh, down and dirty in the corners, digging out those pucks, and that. It, You've got to be sound defensively. He, he's gotten on Tarasenko about stuff like that. And Fabry never could quite kind of catch on to that. Occasionally you'd see him on defense just kind of drifting. And and uh, you, you watch guys, okay, Schwartz has only three goals this year. I mean, he's got a bunch of assists. But you watch him play and how hard he plays, how he, he just disrupts disrupts things in the corners. You, you just you weren't seeing that from Fabry. And, 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 again, I think it was a weaker – Two weeks ago on the net front, you, you were talking about all that, and you've coined, I hope you've trademarked the phrase, Baruby points. He wasn't getting many Baruby no, points. No. Not that a guy like Fabry, you necessarily expect him to, you know, to, to hit the hell out of everybody, you know, like uh, McEachern or, or, or Blay or some guy some guys like that. But even you've seen Sundquist. He, he's, he wasn't that way. Uh, his, even the first half of last year, all of a sudden, he's, he's, he hits people every now and then. Yeah, no, know? that's a big part of why he went from a guy that almost never played to a guy who was a really important part of a yeah, Stanley Cup a, team. A great role player, yeah. and uh, uh, that was the part that I think in the final analysis that Fabry was missing. It was interesting. Fabry was, he, when I, I, I caught up with him over the, the, the weekend, and he, you know, he didn't just give the stock, uh, you know, no hard feelings. They're, they're great. I mean, he, he said he, he appreciated that, that Baruby was honest with him. He always knew where he stood. And he said, yeah, it was, it was frustrating. But so, uh, like we characterized, he, he wasn't bitter when he left, but he was frustrated about uh, what happened. And, and you're right, uh, Detroit's a team where he could, you know, he steps right in, second line, first power play unit. That's pretty valuable real estate. Yeah, and you know, the good thing for Robbie is it took a while to get to that point where he's getting his chance, but he's getting his chance. Meantime, he had the, the cup celebration with his guys, got the cup, got the ring, went to the dinner, saw the was there for the banner raising, you know, really got the last bit of the celebration. White House, he got the yeah. Yeah, the White and then yeah, and so then and then he moves on. And it was tough for him. He he did his little part for last year's team. He certainly felt a part of the group, given all the work he put in. A lot of respect from the Blues on how hard he worked. So <clears throat> I think there was a sincere willingness to uh, try to take care of Robbie because, you know, it's not easy coming back from two nasty uh, surgeries on the same knee, and he did that. So so he moves on, and JT, uh, at least in the interim, the Blues are taking a look at a couple other guys. Yeah, and uh, they both look older, especially, <laughs> I, I, you know, and I wasn't yeah. around for Troy – Troy Brower, and maybe you can speak to our to our listeners just what kind of a player he was in the prime and what you think he is now. But uh, just uh, around the scrum today, he looks old. I yeah. thought I thought uh, Jay Bomeister was the oldest looking thirty five year old I'd ever seen. Actually, Jay's now thirty six. I maybe Brower hasn't beat. Well, Brower doesn't play. Uh, he doesn't uh, stay away, stay out of trouble. I mean, uh, Brower's played a game where he's been heavily engaged. Yeah, he's a he's a physical guy. Gets to the net. Good shot. Good power play guy. Played in that heavy system when Ken Hitchcock got the team to the Final Four, playing that style. He and Backus were big parts of that, and, of course, both guys ended up leaving as free agents. The Blues knew that was a distinct possibility, even when they traded T.J. Oshie for Brower, that it might be a one-and-done. But 
they were trying to get where they did, which is deep in the playoffs, and they knew that re-signing Oshie was going to be an issue. So they made the move, which remains unpopular. Now, can Troy Brower come back from the grave and uh, pump in 10 goals as a guy off the street and make people feel better? Um, no, that's going to be tough because it's been a while since Troy's been at the pace he needs to play at to, to be successful. I mean, it's one thing to be w- willing, but you got to get there, right? Mm-hmm. So that'll be the question. May now, hey, Pat Maroon did it. He he uh, he got his game in gear and had a great second half for the Blues last year and is is doing well in Tampa. So you know maybe there maybe you never say never. He there he knows how to play the Brew Bay game, but can he get there? Yeah, I, myself, I would have brought up Costin and just put him on the third line and and maybe work Dela Rose in there again. Maybe maybe they they like Dela Rose more than maybe we can see right now, but. Uh, again, Costin's numbers haven't been great in the AHL. I mean, I think he's got three goals and five assists. They've played 13, 14 games now. But I, I think he and Armstrong, when I talked to him in Traverse City, kind of alluded some players are better in the NHL, the, the more structured style. I remember in, in the preseason, Costin uh, had like, th- th- I think, three goals in the first three games or first two games. And some of the veterans, guys like Perron, were talking about he's, he's got a really good shot. So, so there's skill there. But I think, uh, and, and I'd be interested in what, what you think in terms of bringing in these older guys, is it a sense that, and it's as much Armstrong as Baruby. We, we know Baruby style, but I think Costin could play a Baruby style. He's a big guy, and he's certainly not afraid to, to mix it up. The, the fact that they're bringing in a guy like Brower or McGinn for, for these PTOs, and what do you think? One of them's probably going to make the team, maybe both. Yeah. But is this a sign that Armstrong thinks – Listen, we have a really good chance to compete for another cup, and so let's bring in a veteran guy. And if we can squeeze just two, three months, four months out of Brower, and then Costin should be ready next year. I, I don't know. Yeah, there's a couple ways. Look, I think one, they definitely hope that either McGinn or Brower can help the team. It just strengthens your supporting cast. It pushes, keeps keeps pushing guys to do well. It shields you from the inevitable next injury and next injury to a degree. These guys are very, there's a, there's a real ceiling on these guys. They're simply going to be in the supporting cast, but if your supporting cast is more firm, then maybe some other guys can step up, spring up from the supporting cast and, and, and at least for stretches play up in the lineup. So you would free up uh, a Barbashev to move back up the lineup as he's done in the past or, or Sunquist to move back up in the lineup as he's done in the past. The way Steen moved up in the before he got hurt from the fourth line. So, you know, there's some hope that. Now, I agree with the chat guy who says, hey, how about a third line of uh, Bozak, Costin, and uh, Kairou? You got your muscle, crafty guy in the middle, and Kairou's got the wheels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Would I like to, if I'm Blues fan, would I like to see that for the second half of the season? Yeah, that could be helpful. But I guess until there's a crying need for offense, mm-hmm. uh, it could be – tough for those guys to get an extended look up here mm-hmm. yeah yeah and uh as long as they're uh they're winning i mean they're they're, they're still winning that, that's a very interesting third line and what you might do is put blay on the o'reilly line keep keep thomas up there with uh, uh at least for now with the uh with the first line and, and the other thing too Everything Armstrong's touched lately has turned to gold, so I'm not going to come in with a hard second guess about going oh, with the older yeah. guys yeah, yeah. for Costin and as much as I'd like to see him and, th- and think he could uh, help the team. And right now, they are. Now, part of it's been helped because, like every game, it seems, has been going to overtime, but they're like 3.13 goals per game without 
Vladdy. Is it is this sustainable? I mean, seven and one. Of course, that isn't sustainable. But just that they're they're scoring without Tarasenko. I mean, this is a guy when he got hurt from uh, I think it was his first thirty goal season, which might have been fourteen fifteen. From that point on, only Ovechkin and Tavares in the entire league have scored more goals than Vladimir Tarasenko. So you're talking about an elite score. So 3.13 goals a game, is that sustainable without him? You know, it leads right to another point I wanted to get on, and that is the uh, the tremendous chemistry and the production of Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. I mean, they needed something to happen early on this year. Braden Shen's on fire. Tarasenko's got a hand in that with that super line of uh, with uh, Schwartz, Shen, and Tarasenko. They're productive with Braden just on fire. And, and Vlad off to a good start himself. He goes down, and now you're seeing uh, Ryan O'Reilly and Perron just really go on a roll. And it is impressive. Now, this is not hollow notes, but clearly there's chemistry, and it's on the ice, it's off the ice, it's them working together. And David's just looking for a shot. Well, you, you need guys to look for their yeah, shot because yeah. 91 would. I mean, he's a volume shooter, and there's a lot to be said for having volume shooters on your team. So you, got, you can't just keep overpassing. So uh, you need volume shooters, and David's looking for that shot. And, uh, yeah. and a lot you, of you've noticed since Tarasenko's out, his shot totals. Uh, I think he's led the team in attempts at least like four out of the eight games that uh, that Tarasenko's been out. I mean, he's been looking for that shot more. And he's got a hell of a shot. And guys are talking about it's tough to read. He's got a good snapshot. It's hard to read off the stick. Mm-hmm. He's been picking some corners. So, man, he's he's playing with tremendous confidence, and, and continuity for him is important. I hope. For everybody's sake, because the the chats would be out of control if somehow <laughs> these guys end up broken up. You know, if they have a couple of tough games and all of a sudden they don't play together again. I mean, uh, don't do the Mike Hill. Come yeah. on, Chief. And you know, and that, of yeah. course, that was not the way the Chief managed the team last year. He let he let guys play through some slumps and combinations, yeah. and yeah. and he trusted the group. So it's interesting. Even with Della Rose, I thought that Sunquist would go up to the third line. Remember, Sunquist mm-hmm. was. I think it was. He was as high last year as a second line, and actually he got the first bite of the apple when uh, Tarasenko went down. He he played on the first line this year, uh, the the day Tarasenko was up. But it seems like at least pairs, he and he wants to keep Schwartz and Shen together. It seems like he wants to keep O'Reilly and Perron together, and he wants to keep Barbashev and Sunquist together. And now with McEachern, they've been they've been very uh, very effective. So. Yeah, and, and you mentioned this earlier. There have been some other guys that, that have stepped up. Barbashev's gotten a couple goals. Thomas is perking up a little bit. Schwartz has got a couple goals lately. They're, they're going to need that because there are going to be nights where maybe O'Reilly and Perron get shut down. Or, mm-hmm. And, and Shen is, Shen's cooled off a little bit, but they're, they're still scoring goals. Yeah, one thing that uh, Doug Armstrong was rightfully pleased with, uh, the state of the team, Besides the team play, which was carried over, the, the spirit, the work ethic, all those things, everything carried over. But what didn't carry over was a crappy power play. Actually, they continue to be pretty efficient mm-hmm. on the power play, one of the better power plays in the league, almost a quarter of the way through the season. They're right up there. So that is helpful because, again, when you lose 91, scoring at even strength is a lot tougher. And if you could sort out a power play without them, and they have so many weapons, they've been able to do that. And with the way Perron's playing right now, you know, I mean, that is that could go a long way to, to keep the team on the right track If because that's, you know, that's a goal every other game or, you know, between having a, a good power play and a terrible one. I mean, you're going it, to – it's going to make a difference. It's amazing how when they started out the season, you looked at the names that they had on 
the two power plays, and you couldn't really tell looking at the names uh, which would be one and which would be two. And Ruby said, well, we're just going to throw them in there and kind of who's taking off. Well, now, obviously, Tarasenko's out, but that O'Reilly, Perron power play that has Shen on it and uh, I believe Schwartz and uh, Petro, they're getting like three-fourths, two-thirds. They're getting the vast majority of the, the power play time and the the uh, Perron-O'Reilly chemistry and all the – I mean, it's literally hours when you talk about – they are – Every day at practice, the goalies are obviously the first guys out for practice, but then almost invariably it's O'Reilly and Perron. They're almost joined at the hip after practice. Usually, it started out last year where O'Reilly would stay late. We'd call it the uh, O'Reilly school, and uh, it'd be the younger players, but then now Perron's staying out there late, and, and you know chemistry just doesn't happen. They've worked really hard to – to get to this point and you see the setups the two power play goals in in uh, in Calgary it was like Perron knew that O'Reilly was going to be right there and all of a sudden we're seeing these one-timers that Jeff and I and, and Lou and Tom Timmer in the press box uh, often make fun of that the Blues are the only team in the league that doesn't shoot one all of a sudden we're seeing these one-timers because they know exactly where these other players are are going to be so that yeah the power play has, uh, has 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 really really helped out, especially compared to the you know how it ended up last season. Yeah, there and there's something to that chemistry on on the offense. I mean, the anticipation, and we you know last year, you, we'd be sitting up there wondering what are they doing, <laughs> you know, because they're just kind of going station to station. Nobody yeah. seemed to know what was going on. They didn't have much creativity, and it was just all uh, you know paint by numbers. And now it's now guys are you know there's there's all sorts of anticipation and. So yeah, it's uh, it's that that piece has been good, and we're looking at the uh, how long can they sustain the offense. There is going to be a smaller margin for error, though, with this team, even if guys continue having their spurts. And so, right at the time Tarasenko goes down, you look at the whole picture and you say, well, one thing for sure, Jordan Bennington's going to have to be better because he was just okay to buy Doug Armstrong. His assessment. words, not ours. Yeah, probably just, our words. Yeah, too. just. It would have been Joel Quinville, would have, as he would have, uh, Coach Key would have said, I, 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 just, okay. You know, he just didn't want to insult anybody, so yeah. that's the best he could come up with or needs to be better was when you're really in trouble. But anyways, he was just okay. Well, he's been way better than okay lately. He really has. Can I just back up a second because it, it, the thoughts popped up. Is the power play better without Tarasenko? I mean, are yeah, they more unpredictable? I, I mean, it's just, I don't know. They don't have to worry about feeding the beast now, right. anymore. And the other thing about Vladdy was he would tend to get it and then probe and 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 not be as quick. And it obviously was productive, but he was uh, not only did he you feed him, but then he would often kind of instead of shooting right away, he'd, he'd come in. He's looking for a snapshot, and that would meanwhile everybody else is kind of like, ah, okay, what do we do? You know, waiting <laughs> to see what happens. So yeah, I mean, combination of him not shooting quickly by nature, he tried a few. Just out of deference to the fact that Savard's put this power play in, Mark Savard. But, uh, so, yeah, I, don't, I mean, as long as Perron's putting the puck in the net and, and yeah. O'Reilly's setting up guys. Yeah. And and also, hey, one other thing in power play before we get back to Bennington, um, the recalibration of the uh, Alex Petrangelo shot. How Five, about his start this year? Yeah. It's kind of been yeah. overlooked, but he's, he's – uh, uh, and, you know, I know Carlson has like a million points, but uh, Petro's at, he's almost at a point a game. His shot looks better. Remember last year, he, he didn't look good. And nope. I, I talked to him. I, I, I plan on writing about Petro at some point. 
and just about tried to probe a little bit. You know, you have triplets. You're probably not last year at this time. Seriously, uh, you're probably yeah. not getting much sleep, right? And uh, but he, he said no. His wife's a saint. She took care of all. But I don't know. But you you know, you're, it seems like it was a lifetime ago. But he wasn't playing. He didn't have a good. I don't know. First couple months of the season. Yeah, yeah. You go back compare him to when you first took over the beat force that first month. You know, when uh, they they were they started out super, just really well, and, and Petro was a big part of that. He looked like he was going to win the Norris Trophy. Mm-hmm, Go back mm-hmm. a couple of years. He was in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. I remember all all the way until I think he got hurt in uh, like early January, right about the same time Schwartz went down in Detroit, and and but he was yeah, there was a lot of talk about him as a possible Norris. All right, and one last thing before we get to the uh, back to Bennington. I mean, it is a, it is a contract year. I do think there's a ceiling at how high the Blues can go, but I think uh, Petro's really trying to push all the way to the ceiling with his Does performance. He, is he uh, at least as much as Josie or, Josie, or, Josie, or do you pay him more or no? That's tough. He's going to want that, and I think the Blues are going to want to come in under. And just a question of, you know, we're talking about, you know, 250000 a year this is going to come down to. Mm-hmm. Probably is mm-hmm. he? Would they love to keep him under nine? Yeah, they really would. Does he want to go over nine out of, to to be one of those? Knowing that other defensemen are going to come around and go over nine, uh, as Roman Yossi being an example, I, I think he's more inclined to be committed to St. Louis because he was um, he's a captain. They want a cup. Yossi was also grossly underpaid for because mm-hmm. he took one of those early contracts and, and really was a steal for Nashville, and they were more desperate to keep him because. For a host of reasons. So there are a number of reasons why maybe Yossi ends up a little bit ahead of him. But again, it's going to be interesting. And he's not hurting himself, is he, JT? No, he's and, and defensively, I think defensively, he's playing very, very well. At least even going back, as you, you, you referenced the, the first part of the 17-8, I think he's playing even better than that. I don't know if it's offensive, but defensively, he's... He's just been very, very, very solid. And, you know, Matthew Kachuk, I caught up with him just for a couple minutes, and he's talking about his hometown team. He said, hey, starts with the defense, you know, and and, and the goaltending. And that, that that's what makes the, the, the Blues so formidable. And, you know, maybe to, to get back to Bennington, you talk about, boy, what's going on here? They're winning these games. The, the Blues are, what, 12-3-3, and and their goal differential, they're only like, what, Plus five for the whole. They've only scored yeah. like five more goals than given up. But Bennington, let's go back to Bennington. Yeah, I mean, yeah. every game you come in when he's in there, it's like, boy, they've got a pretty good chance to win. And it's weird coincidence or cause and effect since the just okay. He's been almost, almost to the Bennington levels of mm-hmm. last year. Last, uh, I think, seven and one, last eight games. This goes back, I think, to the maybe the Colorado game. Seven and one, one point nine nine goals against, nine three zero save percentage. Those are pretty close to what he logged for last season. So it's it's uh, he, he's playing tremendous. Yeah, I know. It's a uh, people wondered: is this a mirage? Is the one time wonder a fluke? It's pretty safe to say we're we're about a quarter of the way into the season, and he's settled in the last uh, eight games. His number his numbers are just outstanding. I think we can now officially put him into a uh, into the uh, upper tier of uh, NHL goaltenders. They've got him at a decent term. I see them after this year talking about some some ginormous money for Jordan Bennington. Yeah, I don't. I don't if he has 
just even how he's played his overall numbers for this year. I, I don't think you want to you go into next season and not have him under uh, no, no. contract. Yeah, we, we forget he was he was still down at San Antonio at this point. He got called up as I recall in December last year, but just sat on the bench behind Allen. So he's still he's still seeing some of these rinks for the first time. It's just kind of hard to believe. And he's he's still Jordan Binnington. I I. Uh, Talked to him, and it was just myself at the end of the Vancouver game, and he they're playing uh, Elias uh, Pedersen, and uh, he was to call, and all of a sudden uh, Jordan Bennington just volunteers that he thought he should have won the call yeah. and uh, uh, still leaves a bad taste in his mouth. And uh, you just Jordan will still, will, you know, do I look nervous? Who's Montgomery? He'll still surprise you with uh, what he has to say. He's just different, and for our purposes refreshingly different well he is and you you love that confidence level of a guy uh, at that position because um we've seen the the roman turks who are you know a skittish guy to say the least curtis joseph tremendous player uh, mike keenan broke him just broke him uh this guy they, they've had guys like Liud and, and grand fear veteran guys that would have a commanding presence guys that didn't give a crap like greg millen who could just really reset himself and had a great run back with uh, Jacques Demers, along with Rick Wamsley. So they've had guys in the past. We've also had some skittish guys, you know, just skittish. And uh, and Jake mm-hmm. Allen's skittish. He really mm-hmm. is. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. He just is. So uh, Bennington, you know, would, would Jake Allen ever wear sunglasses to an award ceremony and look like mm-hmm. to pull off the rock star thing? <laughs> no, I don't, sure. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't, know, no, I don't know if that was a medical necessity. For Jordan, given uh, how much partying had occurred lead, and to lead up to that very moment, but nonetheless. That was another of Jordan's greatest yeah. quotes uh, where he said, well, I've noticed some of the uh, the NBA players and rappers are wearing it, so I, I think it's a good look for me. I mean, yeah. I'm going to compile these, and when we get to 10, I'm, I think we're going to put on stltoday.com just the Jordan's greatest hits. Uh, and I think I'm about six or seven in the uh, – in the greatest hits of the quotations, but uh, and his feistiness, I think the players really like his feistiness. Uh, the Kings game, right? Was it Jeff Carter? Yeah, he just skated right, right, yeah. right up to the guy and was like staring at him because he didn't. The goalie didn't like that. I, uh, I don't know if it was Carter or, or Clifford. I can't, I can't remember who. Anyway, they they ran over Barbashev. They're down by that, and he he just didn't like it. And and a. a uh, a uh, fracas ensues, and all of a sudden the Blues are down two to one. All of a sudden they win five to two without Tarasenko. Tarasenko right. had been hurt, so I know goalies are different, but he's even he's he's a little further out on that spectrum. Agreed, That's good. Jeff? It's Agreed? a good place to be too, because again, it's, <laughs> it's same with quarterbacks. Uh, JT, yeah. you covered yeah. the pro football for so yeah. long, and you saw yeah. some pretty skittish guys, and then some guys that were absolutely mm-hmm. like Kurt Warner was convinced he was the best ever, and he was a guy that just came out of nowhere. But he was never there was never a doubt in his mind that he was great. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, he, you know, he always deal, had right? the confidence yeah. in himself. Yeah. So same thing. I mean, the the two comparisons are amazing. Lifestyles could probably different, but yeah, uh, yeah maybe just a little, a little bit different. But yeah, good for Jordan. Well. Anyways, looking forward to uh, the uh, the next quarter. I guess for the for the Blues, uh, as we wrap up this edition of Netfront Presence, I guess just just keep it up and 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 try to find some additional support from guys like Tyler Bozak, some of the guys that haven't scored as much. Try to find some combinations down in the lineup that can get some goals. And then you mentioned Falk and Pareko get some some goals from the blue line from those guys, even though they're not getting the power play time that uh, Petro is or, or any in the case of uh, fifty five for the most part. There are some things yet this team can do better. Yeah, they've they've still they've got to do better in the uh, in the in the third period. I you know again, 
teams are, you know, the, the, the coach is cliche, but well, you know, the other team's going to push back, but you, you know, they were in such control in Calgary. It reminded me a lot of the New York Islanders game where they were so much in control and then they, you know, you, you lose a two-goal lead. It, it was like five and a half minutes in uh, on Long Island and, and like nine minutes there. So they, they got to do better in the third period. But I, I think their passing's getting better, and their, their defense is really uh, tightening up. But, again, I, I wonder, and I think you too do, Jeff Gordon, will they be able to keep scoring long-term without Flatty? Yeah, and, uh, and will we see in our lifetime? The, and I don't know, the Chief doesn't want to hear it, but Jordan Cairo. Come up and save the day. <laughs> yeah, and that maybe that's subject for another net yeah. front. I know we got to run, but he, you know, he needs more than I think they played their. He played his fourth game there today. They've they've, they've already played. They had an afternoon uh, matinee game. But how much does he need to be ready? You got to get that kid up here. He could be Alex DeBrinket. Why not? I mean, yeah. uh, it's not just us saying it. The independent evaluators have all loved this kid as he came up the line. But anyways, that for another time because it could be a while before we see him. For Jim Thomas, I'm Jeff Gordon. This has been Net Firm Presence. A reminder to see, uh, check out all of our podcasts on stltoday.com slash podcast. Do a lot of cool things here, both on sports and in news, uh, financial stuff. We can just do a lot of cool stuff here at the uh, on STL Today. Also, our videos, our digital subscriptions, good user experience. Uh, give that a try. Until next time, for Jim Thomas, I'm Jeff Gordon. And June, for junior executive producer, Christina Fletis, see ya. Thank you.